Welcome, dreamers, to the first official episode of Katie Keen Cast, a podcast <laughs> all about Katie Keen on the CW. I'm Alex. I'm Justin, a real New Yorker, dreaming. <laughs> Hey, I'm Pete. I got your hot dog here. Yeah, and I'm holding my pizza like this, not like this. And we are going to be talking about the first ever episode, as mentioned, of Katie Keen, the spinoff from Riverdale that takes place five-ish years later. Not, Undefined. not exactly five years. I, I but, thought it was inter- I thought it'd be a more defined amount of time. Um, oh, but like I'm happy five that years it- in one month in three days or something like that. Or just like I, I'm actually happy they didn't do that, um, so they did, we didn't have to be like, oh wow, it's 2025 or whatever. <laughs> Self lacing shoelaces, yeah, yeah, flying wow. cars. Uh, so this episode, this is the pilot uh, that just aired. It's picking up a little bit on the crossover episode of Riverdale that aired the night before. Uh, but this episode is written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa and Michael Grassi, are the two showrunners of the show. Michael Grassi, I believe, is the full time show runner and Roberto Aguirre Sacasa is, you know, popping in and out and writing stuff and helping out because he has so many Archieverse things going on. It's directed by Maggie Kylie, who's directed a bunch of stuff for both Riverdale and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Now, to give you a little bit of lay of the ground in case you're jumping in clean on Katie Keene, we do a Riverdale podcast called Riverdale After Dark. We do a Sabrina podcast called Chilling Podcast of Sabrina. And now we do this podcast, Katie Keene cast, <laughs> which, as we mentioned on the preview episode, is Katie Keen cast with a C for cast. It's not three K's in a row. Not three K's in a row. Important catch. We got the branding is strong. (laughs) Now, since this is a pilot, before we get into the episode proper, I want to get your sense of the show. I've seen the pilot twice. I watched it when they first dropped it uh, on the press stuff so we could press uh, prep some stuff for my day job. Uh, I also went to a screening at the New York Film Festival they did where they did a talk afterwards. So I've seen the pilot a couple of times already and I love it. It's exactly in my wheelhouse in terms of like hoping and dreaming and musical New York fantasy type thing, which is 100% my jam. But what about you guys? Justin, Pete, what about you? What was your impression overall of the pilot? I mean, I'm a sucker for stuff like this, too, because, like, you know, I moved to New York when I was young. Oh, my God. Uh, and here I like go. getting here, getting involved in the arts, having a bunch of roommates who are, like, not, uh, like, clean and uh, good at um, managing time. Uh, <laughs> I've gotten a lot better at managing time, obviously. Uh, uh, right, Pete? Um, nope. <laughs> and I, uh, so I'm definitely a sucker for this. But on top of that, this show's made, it's really beautifully made. Um, the, the fashion stuff is impeccable. But the tone of the show, it feels like a throwback, like an old school mm-hmm. 1950s movie, um, if that makes sense. Like, the acting is very stylized. Everyone sort of has a little bit of a wink to them. It's, it's a very unique feel to the show. What about you, Pete? What was your main overall takeaway about Katie Keene, at least the first uh, episode? Well, I feel I'm not as, you know, um, I guess romanticized about New York City as you guys are. But I feel like uh, like they were like, hey, Miss Maisel is popular. Like, let's take something like that. But just kind of, you know, it's it's a bright. You're so jaded. You're like Gloria, who works at Lacey's and that you don't really see like the bright young people just out there trying to make it. Yeah, we should mention just to establish right up top, Pete is our boss on this show. Yeah, yeah Pete's the boss. Yes. And he's um, a mean boss. <laughs> yeah. But I had to work my way to the top, all right? So I don't want to hear it. Interesting. Uh, no, so I feel like uh, it is it is a bright, shiny in New York City. Like, all the streets are, like, immaculate. You know, everywhere she goes, the sun is shining. So, like... But with all that said, I was actually I was surprised at how much fun I had. They did a wow. great job of balancing the music w- with like the tone and like they really each kind of you get a couple numbers in each app and uh, they've been really entertaining, really different, well done. What uh, I think, been- what I think they do really well with all of these Archieverse shows is they take a genre throw a ton of things into a blender and then pick out the best elements of each and put them together. And so with Riverdale, you get something where it's just this 
base Americana, and then you figure out, okay, how do we take all these murder shows and throw them in there at the same time? What happens when we mix that? Or Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is very similar, where it's just a ton of horror things, a ton of horror genre tropes, and finding their own quirky take on that. Here, to your point, I do think it's very purposely... It's Marvelous Mrs. Basil, it's a chorus line, it's Empire, it's a million other shows, and then you take them and what happens when you jam them into a musical? What happens? And then you pull away all the elements that don't work until ultimately... The reason this pilot works for me is they pare it down so it actually does make a story and it does all feel to work like it works together. And the base thing, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, the reason it works is because of the apartment, because they have everybody based for real, because they have everybody, they central location where everybody can join together and hang out. And that's the element that brings it together for me. Yeah, I agree. I love the apartment. I love the apartment. That's just because when we watch Riverdale, you're like, why can't they be in the same place? Why can't they just... And you always feel weird if they meet in that weird teacher's lounge. In the common room? Yeah. I don't feel weird if they meet in the common room. I wish they'd meet in the common room more yeah, often. You just than- want them to be... You want all the main <laughs> characters in one place hanging out. I know. That's and a crazy... A crazy idea that I have is that characters on a television show would talk to each other and interact at certain points. Alex yeah. wants friends to be friends and hang <laughs> out and get together. Yeah, yeah. And, like the show. especially I because he's a recluse and never yeah. sees the light of day. That's true, but I <laughs> like other shows. I would like characters on shows to be friends, like my favorite show, Joey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want characters from different shows to be friends. Like I want, I want the Gargoyle Josie from King Riverdale to be friends with Katie Keene, and I want them Ooh. to be friends with um, the bad guy in The Outsider. <laughs> hit show on hbo really picking up steam lately so that's right could happen no spoilers no spoilers let's jump into it though let's talk about it uh much pleasing to pete if you've listened to any of other podcasts there's no recap because of the first episode don't worry we'll have some next episode so let's jump into it justin uh do you want to walk us through this episode Sure. Um, so right out of the gate, we get a little um, almost origin about Katie Keene. Uh, a a mm-hmm. lot of we touch on it a couple times in the show that um, she grew up in New York uh, on Delancey Street. Um, they didn't have a lot of money growing up, uh, but fashion was what her mom wanted to do, and eventually what she went into. So we get a little bit of narration at the top um, how mm-hmm. her and her boyfriend Ko want to go oh, Ko, K-O which stands for um, knockout. Oh. Yeah. Okay, Maybe. is it because he's so handsome? Or it should it could stand for Chris Overtime, which may be his <laughs> given name. <laughs> uh, he is a I, boxer. I love this beginning because they've been selling it as a fairy tale of New York, and I think this sets up that tone perfectly right at the beginning, down to, for better or for worse, the mother dying during the narration, because yeah. that is a very fairy tale setup. She is supposed well, to be Alex, to princessing. be fair, she didn't die during the narration. I think she died earlier. Um, it, sure. Yeah. And then she was just talking. Oh, she was just sick and tired of the narration. Because it wasn't like she was narrating, and then she was like, oh my God, my mom. Yeah. That would have been a hard way to start the show, Alex. The other thing, not to talk too much about other shows, but uh, on Riverdale, the crossover, which takes place beforehand. Veronica and Katie Keene are talking about her mom who's just gotten sick. And Veronica hugs her and says, I promise you everything's going to be okay. And then the next night we see this episode and her mom died. And that's sad. It is sad. And I will say... What, you think it was Veronica? What? Yeah, Veronica's involved. <laughs> I mean, that's the overarching plot. Did Veronica kill her mom? No. Yeah. Uh, Pete, I would love it if you spent the, this entire uh, series of dreaming New York kids f- trying to figure out the conspiracy theory about who's about to be murdered or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I will say, what is the point of aging them up? Like, why the five-year gap? That, it's such a weird idea. Is it that they need to be a little older because they were in high school before and they need to have gone to college to move to New York? Is They need to be drinking of drinking age? Like, I mean, that doesn't seem to do. matter too much for Riverdale, right? Because they're Agreed. drinking all the time. But I do think it's that. Because I don't know about you guys, but I moved officially to New York after college in my 20s. Uh, and I think... 
again, like you, Justin, I think this is based on my experiences, but that is the point where you feel like anything is possible. You can do anything. You can achieve anything. You eventually are going to be the person in your field that is going to rule New York. And you're still years away from knowing you're going to be sitting on your bed, talking to two dudes late at night, recapping a show (laughs) instead of that. That's right. Wow. Wow. Or unless that's your dream. uh, Oh, that that actually was my dream. So this is all working really out really well. that Zelman, got really uh, real for a second there. <laughs> well, I think we should spend this podcast. Wait, also wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. We got something. No. You all right, man? Yeah. I'm doing great. Don't even worry about it. I got Jesus, all my friends just like watch? Joey on the show. Joey, I got all my you, friends. You stop rewatching Joey. There is, it's it's peak show. TV, Alex. There are a bunch of other shows you should be watching. <laughs> the only thing I have is Joey on VHS, and I'm going to keep watching it until those tapes wear out. Um, I think we should, over the course of this podcast, talk about our New York City dreams um, and when we were first moving here to really identify with the characters. Because I guess P, you moved people... here. You, P, you moved here in the early '80s, if I remember correctly, um, <laughs> as a young uh, <laughs> construction worker, right? Yeah, uh, fuck you. <laughs> Pete had a real uh, taxi driver Joker type experience when he first got <laughs> yeah. here to New York. That's right. That's right. Uh, you're. You're not a New Yorker unless you bang on the hood of a taxi cab going, I'm walking here. Yeah. Well, just to get back to it seriously, though, I do think that is the point of the 20s that you've graduated from college. Maybe you've puttered around your college town or lived at home for a little bit, but you've decided to risk it all. Move to New York City, the biggest city with the highest stakes possible. And you are here and you're going to make it no matter what. It also does separate it from Riverdale because... They don't act like teens a whole lot, but they still are teens. Setting something mid-20s, give her different stakes. I would also mention that I know uh, Ashley Murray, who is, I believe, just turned 30, or is it her very early 30s, really like that? Because she's like, well, I'm playing closer to my age now. Yeah. So that's nice. Just keep, keep aging those kids up. I mean, she looks, like, young. I mean, everyone looks yeah, the right age totally. in the show. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, uh, to getting back to the story a little bit. So, uh, Katie's with KO. All they want to do is hop on the F train, head out to Coney Island and I think have sex under the boardwalk. They said, uh, uh, very sandy and dirty and gross. Don't do that. Yeah. That is a gross place for all of you. Um, <laughs> Katie Keen fans looking to live the show. You don't need to yeah, don't do that. Don't hook up under the boardwalk <laughs> on Coney Island. Don't go under the boardwalk late at night. I don't yeah. even know if there's a room under the boardwalk at this point. Like, I feel like yeah. they packed it with sand or something. Well, there's there are still a couple piers, um, and you can okay. walk along them, but it is weird. Yeah. Uh, Coney um, I, Island is, I will say, Coney Island is significantantly cleaned up now, though. So, yeah, no, Coney Island's nice. Um, yeah, sure. I actually, yeah, they, my, not to get too into it, but my first apartment in New York was like uh, basically right out on Coney Island. I really like, thought you were going to say my first time was... Oh my God. The first ah. and last time I had sex was underneath the boardwalk <laughs> in Coney Island. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can't even shoot the freak anymore. Uh, that's Wait, true. And what? I'll tell you what, we're not going to define what that means. People are going to have to Google that <laughs> on their own. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, they do have this wonderful montage of them going on their dates. This is something that, again, they talked about a little bit on Riverdale, but we can see more of here. Um, I I love a good location shoot in New York, and I love yeah. the fact that they shot this show in New York because nothing against most shows, but there's a lot of shows that shoot in Vancouver or Toronto. They're like, yeah, we're on the streets of New York, and now we're going into the subway. And it never feels right. This, even though it is a fairy tale version, it feels right. Yeah, and uh, actually, I was uh, on my in my day job. I was uh, shooting a piece in New Hampshire, and the audio guy uh, he had he had just wrapped the last episode of Katie Keene. Oh, really? Uh, wow. This was like three days ago. So um, yeah, they, they just... employed a lot of people in the city. I have a uh, I have a friend whose wife did some of the costumes for it. Uh, so they definitely. It seems like they tried to concentrate on employing a lot of New York people for the shoot. So That's great. They made a lot of dreams What did they say? True. What did they say? Did they say they like look working yeah, on the shoot? Great time. Great uh, costumes. Clearly, the, the audio stuff guy is awesome. said. The audio guy said, "Wait, how do you know about this show? Isn't it for kids?" And I was like, "Ha ha! I watch. <laughs> I'm going to watch it." <laughs> <laughs> um, so he wondered what I was doing with my life. Um, yeah. 
anyway, back into the show that I do love, oh. even though it is for children. Yes. Um, <laughs> I really loved how uh, Katie wears a T-shirt that says, I love KO. Yeah. Yes. It's great. Their relationship is great. I love them right off. And I also love, I know, not to keep talking about Riverdale this entire podcast. I know people have been oh, iffy about the boxing stuff over in Riverdale. But so I was a little wary of the KO character. But I think Zane Holtz, who plays him, is so engaging and charming and the level of relationship that Katie and KO immediately have is just enjoyable and different than what we've seen in the Archieverse. And unlike Archie Andrews, I buy that, that KO is a boxer. He yes. yeah. feels like a boxer when Archie feels like <laughs> someone who tries boxing and then is murdered in the ring. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so do we jump into Katie's work life a little bit next? Uh, she's it's sort of a uh, at Lacey's uh, as a sort of their take on Macy's. It's a very a bit oh, of a you don't know that you don't yeah, know I don't that. know that this specu- pure speculation. Um, yeah. A high end department store in the center of Manhattan. Right. Uh, I will. I will say it could also be Dwayne Reed. It could be Dwayne <laughs> Reed. It could be the Olive Garden. True. Ooh, yeah, it um, could be any of those things. Now, that's a place where dreamers go when they first get to New York. <laughs> wow, a limited salad and breadsticks. When you're here, your dreams are dying, I believe is the motto. Oh, right. Yeah. And uh, meatballs. Uh, they they actually did a display, which is super fun, at Saks Fifth Avenue, which is not Macy's, but they did a window display for Katie Keene that was very cute. But yes, of course it's Macy's. It's even... It, the funny part, I, you called out Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Macy's doesn't really look like that, but Marvelous Mrs. Maisel yep. does look like that, which yes. I think is said at Saks. I think. Uh, I think it's it said in a made-up store as well. Oh, okay. All right, maybe. Uh, but... But yeah, they set up this department store. She works there. Uh, she is a personal shopper there. And no, she another- wants to be a personal shopper. Right. She is um, stuck in the mix. Her boss is this woman named Gloria, who has like a little bit Devil Wears Prada vibes. But it, it, at least for the first half of the episode, is is nice to her. And Katie's sort of the favorite mm-hmm. um, yeah. person who handles the customers. Uh, and she wants to be a personal shopper. That's the job she's vying for. She's, um, but it's coming into conflict a little bit with her dreams of designing her own clothes, which she's very good at, and she wears her clothes. The it, this is another thing that gets to, not to spend too much time talking about the whole dream thing, but another thing that I think this pilot does very well is the fact that you get to New York and there are so many different opportunities that you can follow up that the way that they set up Katie Keene's conflict, that of course she wants to be a fashion designer, right? Like that is what she is destined to do, but she gets into this job and this job gets her into this mode of my dream is to be a personal shopper. And that is the only thing she's focused on despite what really actually her destiny and dream is. And to me, that feels very New York as well, which I really like quite a bit. A hundred percent. You always get caught up in whatever the day job or the side job is. And yeah. sometimes you lose focus on what is more important. And I love that that's the dilemma we have here. That's definitely, I mean, New York, you got to have your Batman job. You got to have like you, during the day you go respectable, but at night you get to be who you want to be and, you know, chase the dreams that you want to chase. Uh, what were your uh, day jobs? What are your day jobs? When you first moved here. <laughs> The, the, the survival jobs I'm talking about. Oh, well, when I first moved here, the only just uh, the look on your face, Pete, just completely frozen. What is he asking me? What does he want? Yeah, no. I don't know what he wants. Uh, we the only place I want to say conservatively survival job. I want to say conservatively, we tape ten to fifteen hours of podcast a week, and Pete was like, "Oh shit, I'm not sharing any personal information." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing, because Justin, you were like, "Hey, we should share stories." I was like, "I don't want to spend the whole time just talking about us. We want to talk about the show." Yeah, I but know. Like, it's just one the, question. I also, the, I, I just want to take a step back and say that I love your example of a real dreamer as Batman, who goes out every night. He's like, "Wow, I get to do this." That's all this he wants to great. do is be Batman. Oh, I'm uh, yo, so happy that is my really parents funny. were murdered. <laughs> 
Bruce Wayne moved to Gotham City uh, as a dreamer, trying to get by in his day job of being a millionaire to become a horrifying vigilante at night. Yeah, man, you got to chase your dreams. All right, Justin. So real quick, the only place I knew how to get to in New York City was Times Square. So I would go into restaurants and ask if they had any, like, uh, you know, availability, any jobs. Uh, I didn't find any work, so I went to FAO Schwartz to blow off some steam. And they had, like, this big... uh, As you do. Empty, like, uh, ball crawl, like, room thing. And I was just there, like, pegging kids with balls. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just kind of blowing off some steam. And this lady comes up to me, and she was like, it looks like you're having... A great time. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm on my lunch break. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And she was like, do you want a job here? I was like, you would pay me to do this? I got a job at FAO Shores. That's a great (laughs) story, Pete, that I did not know. I don't think we need to tape the rest of this podcast because (laughs) that's the most Pete thing I've ever heard in my life. That's amazing. Also, what sociopath sees you hitting <laughs> kids with dodgeballs and is like, we got to get that guy at this toy store. He could do that professionally. Yeah. <laughs> we already I mean, got we that were guy. having a lot of fun. We were just chasing each other around the, you know, the store like winging balls. What yeah, was it like I, to have your dream job out of the gate? Dodgeball, professional dodgeball guy. <laughs> no, man, it wasn't like that. I, you know, they stuck me in the Lego section. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, uh, back to the show, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That, that was great. Uh, so uh, this uh, character, this prince is coming through, Prince Errol Swoon. And that is uh, the sort of the trouble that is brewing. Um, and we get a little break from that when we meet Josie. Remember her? We oh, do. Yeah. I love this scene as well. I feel like I would say I loved every scene because everything was just so delightful in this episode. But the way they greet each other and... She's walking up the street again, feels it's a New York street. Like you could tell it's a New York street. And she walks up and says, Josie McCoy. And she says, Katie Keen. Great. Loved Very it. good. Very cute. Right off the bus with her suitcases. Absolutely perfect. To me, there's a lot of different plot lines going on in this episode. And even though we'll talk about Jorge in a moment, has the literal music, musical plot line. To me, Josie is like, the classic musical storyline, fresh yes. off the bus, mm-hmm. walking through the park, dis- park, discovered by a producer, deals with conflicts there. Great stuff. Perfect. And so good to see Ashley Murray. He's been so good for so many years on Riverdale. Get yeah. to really just spread her kills wings it. and fly. She kills it. Yes. Yeah, she gets to be sort of a full-fledged character where on Riverdale, she was definitely sort of a more of a side uh, character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very underused. I got to say, like, I was like, oh, how am I going to feel about the show? Is this just going to be too sunshiny and have no real kind of like, but uh, when they started to sing Rose in Spanish Harlem, and I was like, damn, that is some good music. It's just the musical numbers really make the show and they do a good job with them. They feel natural as well, the musical numbers. And it helps that you have Josie, who her plotline is musical. And you also have Jorge, who his plotline slash Ginger, her plotline is musical as well. So it fits right in there. And the fact that they're at least not yet forcing Katie to sing or Pepper to sing or anything like that. Obviously, we'll talk about Pepper in a second. um, Makes a lot of sense to me. So you could have multiple musical numbers in an episode and it gets there organically. You don't have to force it necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I gotta gotta say just like watching a show that isn't stressing me out, like Sabrina was stressing me out. Riverdale stressing me out. It's enjoyable. (laughs) Wow. Who would have thought the vacation show? This is great. And you didn't want to do this, right? Pete, you didn't want to talk about the show at all. You're damn right I didn't. Pete, you're our official starry-eyed dreamer of today's <laughs> episode of Katie Keencast. I thought we were going to save that to the end. To call I which one of us you. was the starry-eyed dreamer. I think it's going to be Pete's the starry-eyed dreamer all day or day, in my mind anyway. <laughs> um, so next we do meet Jorge, who is, bar- uh, from what we know out of the gate, um, he's in a rush. He's bartending, doing musical theater. 
this feels very uh, much like a lot of the people I knew when I first moved to New York who are doing 50 things and running between them at all times. Yeah. 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 And so he uh, they live in an apartment, I believe, owned by his parents above his bodega, which his parents own. So where do you think? I don't think they specify where the apartment is, but I feel like it has to be Harlem or very far uptown. Right. I think so, too. Um, I I wanted them to say where. I hope in future episodes they do, um, because it's definitely not... I thought for sure they were going to end up in Brooklyn, but it's definitely Manhattan. Yeah, it definitely is. It felt like either it's very far East Village, or more likely because of the hills, it's all the way uptown or the Bronx or something like that. I no, felt no, because like they, the, they were on the Joker steps. For the date, so she's got to be up in the Bronx. Yeah, it was weird that they didn't say, wow, we're on the Joker steps. Yeah. Yeah. Felt rude, to be honest. For sure. But the music played, and they all did the Joker dance, so. Right. Yeah. And then Batman came out and said, wow. Batman was like, I have a big audition to be Batman coming out. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I I get the part. I I have a big scene where I fight the Joker coming up. (laughs) Yeah. Let's also talk about something else with this apartment, because we do get that established pretty quickly. I was okay with the size of the apartment and the layout of the apartment. Oh, that's come all, on. That's always a big thing with New York set shows no. ever since the Fred's apartment. This was okay with me. Yeah, I'm I, fine. Also, got, we, it's fine. What do we, we want him to be in an actual New York apartment that is, I fu- do. Sucks. I have one time, one time, put him in a closet. In a I closet? Want, I want him to. Well, you know, like a, sure. a very small New York apartment. I did the worst New York apartment that I ever saw, which I didn't live in, but I looked at when I was looking around at apartments. There was a toilet in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw that yeah. place. <laughs> it's not great. They should do that, that on this show. That's also where you did the dishes. Yeah. Uh so, yeah, uh, I agree. I the, the apartment's great. I like how it's jam-packed with stuff. They're always in each other's rooms. That all feels very real. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go on with the show, then. Uh, great. On with the show. Um, Katie and Josie hit the scene. They meet Pepper, who is good at dropping names, like oh. Art Basil, Childish Gambino, Ted Talk, and then 50 others. She is connected. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you think about her so far? I feel like... If there's anybody underserved by the pilot, it's probably Pepper, which I think Julia Chan does a great job. She's super fun in the role, but they spend a lot of time with Jorge slash Ginger. They spend time with Katie. They spend time with Josie. Pepper basically comes in as some comic relief, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I'm curious if uh, it feels like she's maybe lying about a lot of this stuff, and so I hope we get to figure out what her deal is. Yeah, I mean, I think they just lightly pepper her in scenes, you know, oh, just a little oh, bit. Okay, here we go. Not too much, it's just a little bit. Nice. Just too, not Less too spicy. Is more. That's great. Take a lap, Pete. That was really yeah, good. Take a quick lap. You earned it. Uh, at this, uh, the place they're uh, hanging out at, um, KO, that Molly's Crisis, I believe. Um, KO is a bouncer, convenient that everyone's hanging. Uh, and yeah. they, Wait, is it Molly's Crisis or Marie's Crisis? Which is the real one? I don't uh, Marie's remember. Crisis is the real one, and this is Molly's Crisis, I believe. Oh, there we go. Um, and they are dancing. Uh, and what I like about this show so far is the pace is already at Sabrina and headed right for Riverdale because <laughs> shit is happening fast. Yeah. Yeah. There's no normal days. It's like right from like work for 10 minutes, then to back to the apartment, then to, you know, I was just like, wow. But that is that uh, to the point that you've been saying over and over, Justin, that's what your 20s is like, right? Like you just keep going nonstop for hours at a time. You work, you get out of work, you do. I mean, I basically my 20s were like working, but working on the stuff that I really wanted to be working during work, came out of work, did rehearsals for comedy, usually took classes or taught classes. After that, did a couple of shows, went out with people fell asleep for a couple of hours, maybe did some work in between there, wrote some comedy stuff, woke up, did the same thing again, seven days a week. Agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So that's what you do. Like, and, and that's what it feels like here. And that's why I like this pace is they are just going and going and going. They're indefatigable and they love it. And I think that feeds a lot off of Lucy Hale's performances, Katie, where she is, of course, by the title, this central character, but 
she has this can-do attitude. She's going to push through anything. She's going to get through their problems, and she's going to take her friends and pull them through as well. Yeah, agree completely. Um, and I like that uh, the this bar is going to be another of sort of their hangout mm-hmm. zones. It feels like um, based on the number yeah, of times he's the bar- he's the bouncer, so it's like it's a great way to have them all in one room, and he's just right there too. And Ko's the bouncer, but uh, Jorge also performs as Ginger Lopez here. We get a yeah. number, um, a Diamonds Are Forever um, mashup with Material Girl, which I think is the same um, mashup that is in the current Broadway show Moulin Rouge. Uh, I thought that was a cool little touchstone. Yeah. What do you think, while we're talking about Jorge slash Ginger, we didn't talk about this earlier, uh, what do you think about Johnny Beauchamp in this role? I mean, throughout, if we want to just dive into um, his whole story, like, I love the way it went. The, the, like, actor who's, like, trying so hard, just can't land the role and is desperate to find out why, um, and then eventually rejects that to pursue something that feels like it's working more. Um, I thought great, great performance, very believable. Well, it also, it parallels to the point that you're making. It parallels what we were talking about with Katie, where it seems pretty clear that Jorge should be ginger. Jorge should, should be pursuing this drag career because that's where she shines. Right. Yeah. Um, and you wouldn't normally think about that as a career opportunity, except now that is a career that you can do full time uh, very yeah. successfully. Uh, and Jorge wants to be successful in Broadway, but that's probably not where his talent actually lies. You know, or and, it's just there's just so many other people. It's harder to yeah. stand out because you're not you're like matching uh, every you're trying to do something. Everyone's trying to do the same thing when uh, in drag, you're trying to like make your personality pop a little bit. And that seems to be where uh, ginger shines. Yeah. What did you think, Pete? Well, I think uh, first off, like they called it, like you see Jorge runs by early and Katie Keene's like, that's Jorge. You're going to become obsessed. And Jorge (laughs) is just like a, he's a real, uh, ray of sunshine and then is ginger killing it so it's like it's it's great to see and it's also like what's cool is usually it takes people years to figure out like oh i shouldn't be trying to be something i'm not i should just lean in my creativity and be who i am or how i want to be or what i want to be doing you know usually it takes so it's nice to see somebody kind of realize that early so we don't have to kind of keep doing that whereas katie keen's kind of like feels like she wants to grow more in these smaller roles before she can break out on her own and design her own stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I do love one of, one of my qualms with this sort of thing is you sometimes get people in this sort of role that can't deliver on it. And I think Johnny Bushup is actually a triple threat, like can sing, can act, yeah. can dance. And, I love that. Like you could see in the very chorus line audition scenes that he has, you could just see the sweat pouring off of them. And it feels very realistic to me in in a fantastical way, but very realistic at the same time. Yeah. I will say that's a very aggressive um, audition, (laughs) (laughs) but otherwise, yes, I thought the performance was very, uh, very good. Yeah. Um, Moving forward to the show. um, We get finally the um, uh, titles card hits um, a quarter of the way through the episode. Right where, you, right where you expected. Um, then we get a little bit of return to the narration about um, Katie talking about her and KO. They fell in love in the Wonder Wheel. We sort of talked about that. Yeah. Then we're back into Katie's job where we meet Amanda, who is a problem. And you can tell that because we hear her name twice. Ooh, I hate that. I hate yeah. that when I hear somebody's name more than once. No, thanks. Uh, Pete? Pete? Yeah. <laughs> Pete, Pete? <laughs> Screw uh, you, Alex, Alex. <laughs> uh, I do think I really like this character as um, the foil for Katie. She's like sort of a, like mini a mini boss, like a little bit mean, mm-hmm. but also funny. The whole Lacey setup, I think, was great because like with the rest of the show, they're skirting archetypes, but finding their own twists on them. And that's what you get here with uh, Amanda. Was that her name? Amanda. I was Amanda and then Amanda a second time. Right. Uh, so we're, yeah, she's clearly the mean girl, but it feels like there's places she can go if they want to take her there where there can be 
a little sympathy towards her. And then same thing for the boss, which is a very Miranda Priestly from Devil Wears Prada character, like you said. But again, it feels like there's an underlying pathos going on with her that yeah. if they want to follow it in a series, there's other notes that they can take with the character. Well, what I what I liked about her and it's sort of the her plot line is she re- really likes Katie, relies on Katie, and wants to sort of give her over, like help her rise up if she's willing to cast off her dreams. But then um, in this scene we're going to talk about here in a second, um, Katie is too good and becomes a threat to Gloria, who is they may be worried about being replaced, so she has to eliminate that threat. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I think is great. Uh, but before we get there, we see Josie in Washington Square Park. She has a little song with a guitar lady. And that's just how it's, it happens in New York. That's how yeah, we met. We mm-hmm. one, you were podcasting in the park, Alex, and we just walked up mm-hmm. and started sharing our opinions about the Flash yeah. or whatever. We just jammed. We just jammed on our Flash podcast. And we were like, great show. Love Grant Gustin. And then a producer came up and said, hey, I'm producing podcasts. You got to come to my studio. We slept with him. Yep. That was and, uh, Selvin. That was our choice. It was our Selvin. choice. Yes. Come on, man. No, it happened. It happened. We're talking about our New York dreams. What and producer? There was no producer. No. To be fair, Bill it ended Simmons up being, of the yeah. Ringer. Yeah. Cool. Oh my God. The biggest name in podcasting. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought of. Mark Marin of WTF. Yes. Ira Glass. All wow. three of them got together. Yep. They saw a lot of themselves in us. Anyways, really. so yeah, it was a really beautiful song and uh it was a, a fun duet and I thought it was really done well. It was so good that she gets discovered by one of the biggest music producers in New York City, the biggest family names in New York, the Cabots. And um everyone is very surprised by that. Uh yeah, they are the heir to the cheese fortune, of course. Of course. They for all you cheese heads out there, Cabot <laughs> is a cheese. <laughs> yeah. I did love so uh the Cabots uh, the thing that's interesting about this show right now, the way that they set it up is it is an amalgamation of the Katie Keene comics from Archie Comics, which I think people don't know very well, and the Josie and the Pussycats comics. So the Cabots yeah. are straight out of Josie and the Pussycats, down to Alexandra Cabot. She has the white uh, skunk thing going on yeah. in her hair. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's great, and it's such a fascinating way to do the show that, like, they could have gone for a Josie and the Pussycat show, and that would have felt like the most straightforward thing to do. But instead, mushing them together gives them so many different storytelling moods to go through. That yeah, again, they can I think switch it, around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So let's jump over to uh, Katie's uh, story. Um, this prince shows up. He has a girlfriend who is um, just a regular person. Um, not a super wealthy person, and um, she wasn't sort of in the plan. So Gloria is a little mad. Katie adjusts um, and ends up charming the uh, prince's girlfriend, uh, gives her a dress, and it's just it's just a huge win for her. And that's what's right. first. And sets the dress, uh, the dress is a dress that she made herself. Exactly, which is the thing that ends up being the problem for Gloria. Even though they do the biggest sale, I believe, in the history of Lacey's, because. Katie gave this woman a dress that she made herself. Well, she didn't end up. She just tried the dress on. Right. The, yeah. She the, just tried the it dresses on. she bought were, were the store dresses. They were so, all store. Yeah. She then went back and like, I'll give you the stuff that I like. That's more my style. So yeah. like in the end, Katie did the right thing and sort of used the dress she had made as the uh, wedge to finally get this person happy. She did everything yeah. by the book and is punished for it. Right. It's like if you went, somebody came into a pizza place and said, I've never had pizza before. And you're like, well, try this slice of Pizza Hut pizza that I brought with me. And they're like, oh, this is pretty good, but not great. And then you said, okay, try this uh, specialty pizza. See, when you put it like that, then I would fire that person. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) first off, if I'm in New York City and I walk into a pizza place and they say, try this pizza up. Pizza, I'm going to slap him in the face and be like, You have no, to remember. I'm you, in New York City. Don't fucking hand me this you garbage. Never, in this scenario, you've never tried pizza before, Pete. And oh. let's be honest. Isn't pizza snobbery a little overrated? Dude, uh, don't say pizza. Little, Pete. 
Aren't we a little too much with like, let's, this you know what? Pizza? I don't want to blow through every New York thing in our first episode. Next episode, let's talk about our first experiences with New York pizza. Uh, that's great. No, let's talk about coffee. Uh, let's talk about um, taxi, hailing a taxi cab, um, fighting a, a rat well, king. Stop listing things and move on, then, asshole. Yeah, everybody knows about fighting a rat king, dude. Shut up. That's right. Okay. Well, definitely, I'm definitely going to tell my rat king story soon. Not yeah. this episode, though. Next episode, uh, maybe. The gang gets back together to share all their um, sort of great news. Uh, Katie thinks she just is about to get promoted. Josie met the Cabot guy. Um, we find out that Riverdale in this um, future timeline is indeed the murder capital of the world, which I thought was fun. That's great that Josie comes to New York and she's like, New York's safe. <laughs> I'm from Riverdale. Yeah. I'm from Riverdale. That's a bad place. It's sort of the same way that Greendale people treat Riverdale, though, where they're like, I know we just opened up a portal to hell, but Riverdale's worse. But Riverdale's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is, man. It is. It is. I mean, there's too much right. shit going on. Yeah. Um, Josie has her big audition. Um, she's a little uh, unhappy with the way it goes, but Cabot kisses her. Um, everything is great. Right uh, on the Joker steps, which, as we know from seeing the movie Joker, is the most romantic location in New York. Exactly. It's where I you go. I couldn't make it through that movie. Yeah. Joker? Yeah. Wow. Oh. Wow. That's How far crazy. did you make it, Pete? That, when he runs down the alleyway. <laughs> That's the first scene, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. I made it like maybe five like, minutes uh, in. You, wait, did you say five minutes? Five ten, I don't know. <laughs> wow, you're a real American hero. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, I so, mean, I uh, fell asleep halfway through, but at least I was. All right, very let's, dr- we're I very, very sidetracked drunk. here. Come on. Um, so Ko comes up with some news that he wants to move to Philadelphia because he got into a prestigious boxing gym, and as we all know, Philadelphia is the king of boxing towns. Mm. Um, so that's Pete, you spend a lot of time in Philadelphia. Is that true? Well, Philly does have a good boxing scene. Yeah, but New York also has a sick boxing scene. But right. he wants to go a specific gym in Philly, which is understandable. Because he wants to box the Liberty Bell, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to fight Rocky, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, in the, this plot line goes forward, and um, so K.O.'s like, move to Philly with me. If you don't get your promotion, we should both move to Philly. And Katie's like, I don't know. I like New York. And she's like, should we have a long-distance relationship between New York and Philly? And can anyone on this podcast imagine doing that? That seems like it's it's only like an hour away on train. It's I don't know like if that. that would work, though. I mean, I was watching this episode, and I was like, that would be really tough on whoever that might be. Who would yeah. ever try to do that? One person living in New York and one person living in Philly. <laughs> Pete, any ideas? No idea. But, yeah. man, sometimes you got to, you know... Chase love, see what happens, you know. And so Can't just to catch everybody else up who doesn't know, Pete dates a boxing a boxer who moved to New York, Luana, to do <laughs> <laughs> her boxing dreams. Right. And Pete, very into fashion, is a great fashion designer, but is trying to work his way up to be a personal shopper. So that's why we wanted him to watch the show. And I guess Pete does make his own clothes in that he makes T-shirts sometimes. <laughs> true. And it is funny that I said, let's expose ourselves on this podcast, and we've only been calling Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Um, so uh, Josie hooks up with Cabot, wakes up in a very nice apartment, and it oh, seems man. like everything's going great until we hit the tipping point of the episode where the evil sister, everything falls apart. Amanda gets the promotion, um, uh, at, at above Katie at Lacey's big surprise there. We jump right into a, uh, the Cabot family gets together and cruelly gives Joe yeah. a hard pass <laughs> yeah. on her music. The board. Well, here's why, I bought that a little bit. I mean, we're certainly setting up Alexander Cabot as a villain of the series, which is fine. But I think that was a lot more about Alexander Cabot than it was about Josie. And Josie was kind of collateral damage there. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Sisters, which just... I liked. It, like, it was over the top, 
but not in the wrong way. It was more about emotionally punishing him than anything else. But I also appreciate yeah. it because uh, I feel like most other shows, it would be like a long, drawn out, like, oh, I'm really sorry, kid, but we're not going to go with you. The fact that it was just a series of people being like, no way, not a chance, hard pass. And it was just yeah, like, that's holy what, shit. That's what I'm saying. Like, people grow up fast in this show. Like, they go through, would normally take a, somebody a while to go through an audition process. Like, just like, nope. Well, and it's also hard as a viewer of Riverdale and people who love Josie to watch that just from an emotional perspective, because we've watched her go through several seasons of Riverdale, clearly being the most talented singer on Riverdale, knowing she's the most talented singer on Riverdale, and literally her only plot line being like, I am way too talented for this town, and someday I'm going to be a superstar. And finally getting up to that point, getting the chance, and getting destroyed is awful. Yeah. But well, it wasn't, she wasn't destroyed. Like, she was in New York five minutes. Someone said, I want to record you. Totally. And then she, and and it, then she got ripped apart. So it was like, yeah, it was bad, but, you know, she someone stopped in their tracks in the middle of, you know, a park. It's like they mean, say, no risk it, no biscuit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, cut to season three, and of course she's gonna have a recording contract and whatever, and that's fine. But uh, and right I, now, I like them together. By the way, I'm hoping they can make that work. Yeah, Alex Cabot and Josie. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> she could be the princess of the cheese fortune. Oh yeah, <laughs> can't believe they didn't touch on that cheese stuff. It's more. weird. Yeah. It's weird yeah. they didn't bring it up. I. Who doesn't love cheese? I think he would, he would be like, hi, yeah, this is who I am. Yeah, I'm the cheese guy. I used to love cheese until I fought this rat king. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, so jumping over to Jorge, who is st- also, he hasn't had his low point. Um, he's like, you know what? Everyone, so when they're getting together, Katie's like, Let's turn it around. I have an idea. Um, they uh, He goes to the audition as Ginger. Uh, auditions as Ginger, and you, it's this great triumphant moment. And just like Katie and Josie, he gets called, uh, she gets called out in a wicked way and is... And she fights back against the casting director, which is something you rarely do if you're trying to make it in yeah, the audition right. world. But I liked, I also, I liked the delivery. I don't know if it was just the actor or it was the lines as well, but the way the casting director treated it, where it wasn't bitingly awful, mean casting director, no. it was just honest casting director. And just like busy casting director. Like yeah, legitimately, exactly. I don't have time for this. Yeah. Don't, but, this stunt is about you. You are not the star of this movie. I have to put on a Broadway show. Yeah. Uh, I also liked I, the fact that. It was great. I also like the fact that the casting director knew exactly who it was because he pays so close attention to the way people dance that, of course, it you know he knew exactly who it was. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you buy that Katie and Josie were able to hang out there in the theater and watch the audition? No nope. fucking way. That would <laughs> no, never in a never, million years happen. Not in a million years. Absolutely not. You imagine I, I if you, you imagine if you were in an audition and your friends were there. What a oh nightmare! God. I don't even like seeing strangers Jesus. at auditions. Oh, I that it's funny that that is the one thing in the entire episode that rag falls to me. <laughs> uh, I have one more, which we're just about to talk about, um, and I'll tell you right now what it is. They all have drinks to to cheer them up, and they break into her store. And basically yeah. rob it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It turned That's into a true. fun hangout to like a high end heist. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And then when we saw her the next day and everybody was outside, I was like, oh, here we go. She's in trouble, man. I do buy going into your work late at night because I've certainly, particularly at that time of my life, like you were out late at night. Passing by and be like, ah, that's fine. I'll, I'll bring it to work. You can use the bathroom because we're all drunk or whatever. What are you talking about? What, what, what am I talking what about? What place are you talking about? I So I used to work in the East Village, right? And I used to hang out with friends in the East Village. And we'd be at bars. And it would be like two in the morning. And it'd be, we'd be stumbling home. What type of business s- did you work in that you were like, had the keys? And we're like, let's go shit in my office. <laughs> I don't <laughs> <laughs> Yo, let's go drop deuces in my office right now. I gotta be honest, I never said that. 
<laughs> I don't want to blow it up. I don't want to get them in trouble. But it was NYU. <laughs> I worked at NYU. <laughs> nice. I don't know. It wasn't hurting anybody. We went in. It was right there. I, I just I thought it was wild that she see I, when I was coming up in but, New York, I, mean, I only ever worked in restaurants. Anything. We didn't steal anything. Yeah. You Hard didn't. Sure, like, you, didn't. you didn't read books, steal words when you were work, yeah. sneaking into NYU. Nope. I only worked in restaurants, so they were always open, um, and that's it. Okay, that's Pete, a great where did you story. Go to the bathroom late at night. Um, in between the subway cars. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. <laughs> like while they're moving. Yeah. Gross. While they're, in the, <laughs> while they're in the station, Pete's just pissing on people as the subway blows past them. <laughs> Gotta wait until it stops. Okay, here we go. Got about 10 seconds here before the subway goes again. <laughs> piss between these cars. And once again, Pete earned the title of the starry-eyed dreamer of the episode <laughs> by pissing out the subway. Oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah, they rob the store. Uh, they end up going and watching Ginger perform again, right? Uh, yes. Uh, but so they. But while they're in there, Katie talks to Francois, who is having a crisis. He works on the window t- design team. And um, uh, he's like, I don't know what to do. And Katie helps him, designs the window using her backstory, using the fact that um, when she was a kid, her mom would bring her to the window and um, dream of making their own clothes as the uh, the sort of the plot of the window design. Mrs. Lacey herself notices, and she gets her job back at Lacey's working with Francois. For less money, it seems like, and but, more hours. But it's in her field. She gets to be creative. Yeah, yeah. and Francois seems like a nice boss instead of yeah, her other does. boss. Uh, which is great. I love that. I love that move and that scene outside where they show off the window was so sweet. I feel like those windows from Macy's, from Saks Fifth Avenue, etc., are such a part. Uh, I'm sure the culture all over, but I always think of them because, you know, I'm Jewish, but on Christmas, we would always go around and look at the windows at all of the stores. So yeah. it does feel like this part of New York culture to me. Uh, so I loved bringing that in. That was just it's very old New York. Yes, yeah. in a nice way. Yeah, I mean, it was like you know the movie Mannequin. Yeah, yeah, that was my other touch point. And yeah. what it, Mannequin really got a lot of play in this episode. That reference, the Mannequin is the Broadway musical that Jorge's auditioning for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. that's truly what everyone thinks of when they think of New York is the movie Mannequin. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a good joke. Having Mannequin be the Broadway musical, that was totally like, yes, of course. They were they were absolutely going to do, at some yeah, point, a musical of Mannequin. I did think that was good. Yeah. Um, and sort of, so rounding out the episode, we get um, uh, a little tiny plot point that um, the Prince Errol um, sent flowers to Katie that Gloria got, further twisting the knife into Gloria. Josie performs at Molly's Crisis. Um, and uh, another fun song. And then um, Katie goes out to get pizza from Ray, famous Ray, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Famous original Ray? We'll never know. <laughs> and for those of you that don't live in New York, there's, for some reason, 50 versions of Ray's Pizza in New York Used City. to be a lot more, man. They've closed down a lot of them now. Yeah. A pizza, a pizza connoisseur. Pizza, pizza. Yeah. Pete's Pizza. Oh, uh, I just a quick story about this moment. This isn't my story, but uh, they talked about this a bit at the New York Film Festival panel, uh, where so Lucy Hale, she was on Pretty Little Liars, which was a huge show on Freeform, of course. So she's definitely been living the star life for years at this point. She goes everywhere. People recognize her. She's never lived in New York before. And she talked about this, and she said that filming this scene for her was the most humbling experience because they were filming the scene where, uh, so in the episode owns where KO proposes to her outside this pizza place. Uh, and people started shouting at her. And of course she was like, Oh, they're shouting at me because I'm Lucy Hale and all the people, they were filming it on an open New York street. And people were like, get out of the way. I want pizza because it was an actual <laughs> pizza place. And she was like, Oh, Okay, we're filming in New York now. I get this, which I yeah. thought was great. 
It is funny. There are like so many stereotypes about New York um, and a lot of them aren't true. Like people in New York are actually very nice and helpful for the most part. But it is Mm -hmm. true that New Yorkers don't give a shit about people filming anything about. So if they're trying to get somewhere and you're in the way, nothing matters. There's no like stardom. Uh, And I, I that's a great story. And one of the truest things about New York City. Yeah. So this ends with this proposal. Uh, I will say I'll couch this in. I've watched the first three episodes, so I know what happens. But I'm curious to hear from you guys. What do you think is going to happen? What are your predictions? Well, wait, I just want to say I love the way it ends where they were like, Avi, this is to be continued or whatever they said. It was really, really funny way to end it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a proposal and a pizza line. Is there anything more New York City, baby? Forget about it. Come on. <laughs> well, what do you think? What are your predictions for what's coming up next? I don't know. It's uh, It feels like a bad time for them to do this. It felt very storybook, which I think uh, is nice. But I can't imagine the rest of the season being about them planning a wedding. Mm-hmm. Right. But also, I really liked... How KO was rolling with the he was like you know hey we he don't was have rolling to with the punches yeah <laughs> he was rolling with the he was bobbing moving sticking and weaving and he was like listen you know if you don't want to go to Philly you know yeah of course I can box here there's a ton of great gyms uh, yeah I love that idea as well I'm very excited to talk about the rest of the episodes now before we wrap up here though. I feel like we had talked about it before we started taping the episode that we wanted to end every episode talking about our New York dreams. Mm. But I feel like we've already done that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we want to end these episodes? What do we want to do, folks? Uh, Do you want to pick the number one dreamer? The biggest dreamer? Who had the biggest dream this episode? Yeah. That's very sweet. Or it could Uh, be sort of a... It could be more of a power ranking thing. Who made the... Biggest steps toward accomplishing their dreams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm going to definitely say number one is Pete. His dreams yep. of pissing between two subway cars. <laughs> Just, uh, I hope you get there someday, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a nice thing to talk about. Like, who furthered their cause uh, toward their dream the most? Yeah. Well, I feel like Katie Keene is still working in her field, but Jorge did a great job of like creatively realizing where you know, Jorge should be to, to really, um, shine. Uh, but also like Josie, like almost was so close. If it wasn't for that asshole family and the fact that this guy was probably a, is a fuck up or something. Um, so you're saying all three of them, she would be off. I'm going to, I'm going Josie just because she killed it in this episode. And I also was so happy that she recapped, uh, for the characters on the show, the things that she accomplished in Riverdale. And it was great because it also was like, hey, if you watch Riverdale, that's all still a part of this. Um, my biggest dreamer uh, is uh, Ginger Lopez. Uh, she went from giving up your dreams is difficult. And there's a sunk cost um, mentality when you come to New York and are like, I'm going to do this thing. It's very, I think it's so hard to change gears and for her to uh, give up the Broadway uh, aspirations and commit to the life uh, down at Molly's Crisis, uh, doing the downtown theater thing, amazing. I'm going to give it up for Katie this episode because I think Katie took really positive steps going from not her fake dream, but the the thing that she thinks is kind of her settling dream and doesn't realize it's settling towards her real dream by getting a job that is allowing her to pursue what she will almost definitely down the road realize is her real dream, which is fashion design. Um, so that's great for her. Uh, And for all you dreamers out there, if you want to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York because we're still pursuing our dreams. Come on by. We'll talk (laughs) to you about those. We are. Hey, we are. It's true. Socially, we have a bunch of Riverdale things you can check out. We don't have specific Katie Keith things, but Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe 
to Katie Keencast, and please do leave us a comment on Katie Keencast, in particular on iTunes. That really helps us out a lot. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. And whatever you're dreaming, whatever your dream is, dream big. Hey, I'm dreaming over here. <laughs>